Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Well, let's jump into the message. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're, we're in week number three of a three-week series that we're calling On Mission. And here's the big idea of this series, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are on mission. You are. That if you've made that decision at some point of your life, you're on mission. That God has a plan to use you and to be able to make a difference. And it doesn't matter your personality type. It doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus, whether it's just been a few weeks or whether you've been following him for a few decades, God wants to use you. And that he has placed you strategically in all the different places that he has you, that he has you at your job for a reason, in your family for a reason, in the city that you're in on a, like for a reason, and the people that you're living beside, in every single place that God has placed you, you are there to make a difference, that you are there to share your faith and to be a light, and that you are there to live on mission. And this series is your official invitation to get in on the action. Because maybe God hasn't called you to reach the whole world, but I promise you, he has called you to reach your world. I promise you. And so this this whole, and I've been trying in the last three weeks to make a theological case from God's word that that is God's plan for your life. And so in week one, we talked from Matthew chapter four about here's what followers do, they fish for people. And then last week we talked in Matthew chapter five and we talked about that you are a light. And so because you know who you are, a light, you know what to do, shine. And so this week I wanna share one more verse that kind of proves this point that you were made by God to live on mission. And it's 1 Peter chapter two, verse nine. It says this, it says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. It's not that you have a priest, you are a priest. He says, you're a chosen people, you're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession as a result. In other words, God's saying, this is who you are. You're a chosen people, you're a royal priest, you're a holy nation, you're my own possession, and now that you know who you are, you will know what to do. And then he says this, so that you can show others. And I love the original language there in the Greek, it means to tell out or to advertise. And so he's saying, like, you can, you can live out, you can live this thing out, you can advertise, tell out, show others the goodness of God. For he called you, and let me look you in the eyes and remind you, each and every one of you, that God has called you, all of us, that he's called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. And the Bible is crystal clear that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are on mission. So week one of this series, we've been answering questions. And so in week one, we answered the question, why is it so important? So why is it important to live on mission? Like, is, is there any reason why? And then in week two, last week, we answered this question, what do I do? So like, how do I live my life in a way that I'm on mission? And this week, I want to answer the question that's probably the hardest thing for most of us. A lot of times that we get intimidated by this question, we maybe get insecure, a little bit scared by this question. And here it is. Today, we want to talk about, if you're taking notes, write this down. What do I say? So 
we talked about how I should live, but how should I talk? Like, do I ever have to open my mouth and say something? Because that scares me to death. Because I may not know all the answers. If I get in a debate, if I get in a conversation around the water cooler and somebody asks me a question, I won't know what to do. Like, I don't know the Bible enough. I don't know. See, I love Jesus, but, but I like to keep that to myself. Like, I don't really tell anybody. I don't really let anybody know that. But really, my assignment today is to show you that it's way easier than you think that you can in fact do it, and that sharing your faith is one of the greatest experiences that you can have as a Christian. That there's nothing, I'm telling you, there's nothing like knowing that you played a role in somebody else's eternity. It's so much fun. And so in fact, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, always, always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer. And in the original language there, it means a defense. So always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope. And look at me, here's the deal. It's not to win an argument. It's not to win a debate. It's to share the hope that you have. And to say, you know what? I need to be ready to give the reason for the hope that I have, but do this. And I love these two words with gentleness and respect. So how do I do that? How do I, how do I do that? Like, what do I say? Let me give you three things. And the first is this, share my story. So share my story. In other words, share what God has done in your life. Don't just point out what they should do, just tell what you did. And in John chapter 9, it's one of my favorite stories, and I wish I had time to unpack it. So maybe this week, go and read John chapter 9. It's an amazing story of Jesus healing a guy that was born blind. So think about that. Think about somebody that was born blind, and then all of a sudden they can, they can see. I mean, it's an amazing miracle, but it offended some religious people because Jesus did it a certain way on a certain day. And my goodness, can we never be those people? And so instead of celebrating with the guy who could see for the first time in his life, old legalist Larry and religious Ricky and their pals, <laughs> like put him on trial and grill him. And they start asking questions and they start asking all the people that knew him, like, was he really blind? And then they're trying to ask him all these questions. And you read in John chapter nine, it's multiple times and they're putting all this pressure on him to admit that Jesus did something wrong. And there's a brilliant response that we could all learn from that the man who experienced this miracle says in John chapter nine, verse 25. He says, I don't know whether he's a sinner. Like, I don't know. I don't know, the man replied. But I know this, I was blind and now I can see. Come on, isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, that verse right there it takes all the pressure off. So the next time that you're in a conversation with that person at work that loves to get in the arguments, that loves to debate, and it makes you feel so uncomfortable and you feel so unqualified to be able to really have that conversation, listen, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be some theological scholar. 
You don't have to know the Bible backwards and forwards. You don't have to know how to explain the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You don't have to be able to explain like, like, like Revelation, like the book of Revelation, explain this. I mean, nobody can, okay? You don't have to be able to explain all that stuff. Like, you don't have to be an expert in the Bible. You don't have to be equipped to answer every hard question. Like, okay, so really, like, how did Noah fit all those animals into one boat? Or like, you know, like, let's just talk about Jonah for a second. So how in the world did he live in a fish for three days? Like, I don't, I don't even get that. And like, Maybe this question, I don't know if you've ever gotten this one. Like, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> and like, here's the greatest thing. You don't have to know the answer to every question. Let me free you right now and give you permission to say this great answer that I love to personally say all the time. I don't know. I get asked stuff all the time. Uh, and it's so much fun to be like, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. And it's great because it's so freeing. You can, you can say that. You can say, I don't know. But here's what I do know. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was miserable, but now I have joy. I was hopeless, but now I have hope. I was addicted, but now I'm free. I was anxious and depressed, but now I have peace. I was miserable and empty, but now, oh my goodness, I'm so fulfilled. I was lonely, but now I have family. I had no direction, but now I've got purpose. I was selfish, but now, now I'm making a difference with my life. See, like, I don't know, but I, but I do know that. And here's what I've learned. Nobody can argue with a changed life. Nobody. Nobody can take that from you. Nobody can debate that from you. The fact that you can say, I don't know, that's a great point. That's a great question. I don't understand that either. But here's what I do know. And here's how God's changed my life. I even love how in Acts chapter four, verse 13, when it talks about the people that followed Jesus, like these pioneers of the faith, the people that really set, like they, these are the people that started the church. And listen to what the Bible says about them. You think they would hype themselves up a little bit more than this, but it says when they saw the courage of Peter and John, these were like the best of the best. And they realized that they were just unschooled ordinary men. In other words, they were not the sharpest knives in the drawer. That they weren't, they were just unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. My goodness, can you believe they did this? They were astonished. But here's what I love, and I think this is the most important part. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Share your story. So how do you practically share your story? Let me give you three very quick things of how you actually can share your story. You need to make sure that you tell people the before. Share how I realized that I needed Jesus. You just share the before. Here's how I was before Jesus and how I realized I needed him. And second thing is then you share the moment. You share the moment. You share how I made the decision to follow Jesus. It was in that service, or it was in this moment. This is, this is when, and so you share the before, you share the moment, and then number three, you share the after. 
You share the difference that it's made in your life. And that's how you can share your story. That's how you can share your story tomorrow at work. You can just say, hey, here's the before. Then here's the moment and here's the after. Let me show you how easy it is. See, because I grew up in church. I was born, I looked it up. I was born on a Saturday and I'm pretty sure I was in church by Sunday. Like just forget about vaccines and diseases. Just get them in church. Just get them in church. And really, my, and that, that's how we grew up. We never missed, ever. We were there every single time the doors were open. But here's what we also learned, is that like my church experience really led me to believe that Christianity was just a bunch of rules and religion. It was this really religious checklist of do's and don'ts. And it was this very compartmentalized hour of our week. In other words, like our Sundays never affected Mondays. It was a big part of our life, but it never really changed our life. And I like to put it this way, I knew a lot about God, but I did not have a relationship with God. That seemed so foreign to me. So I knew a lot in my head, but I never knew him in my heart. And so what that led to is that led to me being very good at playing church. And there's two different me's, a very public me with a church mask on and a very private me that was dying and miserable. And I remember being consumed with this thought, and maybe you've had this thought before, that there has to be more. I don't know if you've ever thought that before. I think, I think if we were all honest, we felt that way before. Where it's like, there has to be more to this whole God, Jesus, church, life thing. There has to be more. And on June 25th, 1999, I found more. Because on that day, on the back porch of Burton Bible Building, there, it wasn't in a service, it wasn't at a conference, there was no crowd. There on that day, I experienced Jesus. And all the things that I've been taught my whole life in my head, it hit my heart. And all of a sudden, it wasn't about me fixing myself. It wasn't about me cleaning myself up. It was about, it was about Jesus doing what I could never do myself. And it was the best decision of my life because I realized that he just didn't want religion he didn't want like perfect church attendance or me reading my Bible all the time or praying or even like me giving. It wasn't anything about that. He just wanted a relationship with me. He wasn't looking for all these things. He was looking for my heart. And uh, so on my knees, I'll never forget, on my knees, on my face before God, I made the best decision of my life to follow him for the rest of my And I'm telling you, from that day until today, my life has never been the same. And like, I may not have all the answers to the questions, but I do know that my life is completely different. And um, I truly believe that I'm living the best possible life I could ever live on planet earth. Not because of what I do, because who I follow. And I believe with all my heart that I'm living the best life because the best life that you and I could ever live is found following Jesus. And here's the truth, life isn't perfect. It never has been. I still have bad days, but I can tell you what I also have, hope. I have peace, I have joy, I have purpose, I have a calling, and I promise you, I've never been more fulfilled in my life. See, the before, the moment, the after. So share your story. Here's the second thing, share my church. Share my church. And here, here's what I've learned. I've learned that as humans, we share what we love. That's why when we go to a great restaurant and have an awesome burger, we want to tell everybody, hey, you got to go to this place. 
That's why when the new music is released on Fridays, and we're like, oh, that's my jam. And then we screenshot it and send it to the world on social media. You got to listen to this. Because we share what we love. And um, we want you to share your church because you love your church. And here's what's good for you to know. Whether you call this church home or whether you're just kicking the tires to see maybe, are these people weird? Here's what's good for you to know. We intentionally design our church and our Sunday services specifically thinking about unchurched people. Because our goal from day one has been to create worship services that both church people and unchurched people love to attend. And I talk about this in a lot of details actually in our growth track in step one, where I share about our story and our vision and why we do what we do. If you've never been a part of growth track, I'm telling you, you gotta go check it out. And you can actually start today in step two and then do step one next week. But I, but I talk in great detail about this, the fact that we never wanted to start a church for church people. See, I grew up in a church like that and I can never invite my, my, my friends to it ever because it was kind of weird. And I have to explain everything to them. See, they're going to do this at this point, and then it's going to, yeah, I'm sorry, like, I'm going to have to meet with you for 30 minutes just to debrief you on what happens at church. And, uh, but we never wanted to start a church just for church people. No, listen, we are on mission. We want to create environments and experiences that people that are far from God love to attend so that we can reach as many people and share Jesus with as many people as possible. You need to know that this is a very big deal to us. And as long as I'm leading this puppy, I'm telling you, it's going to stay a big deal to us. But what I've realized is that me included, we all have this gravitational pull to, to selfishness. Like, what do I want? What's best for me? So we may say things at some point like, isn't this church big enough? And to me, that's like driving past a hospital and saying, man, that hospital, isn't that hospital big enough? Aren't they helping too many people? No, we would never do that. And listen, we are not an exclusive country club for people who have it all together. We are an inclusive hospital for the hurting, the lost, and the broken with me first in line. So, you may get asked questions like this. So, are you guys, like, is that church, is Queen City Church, is that one of those churches that are all about the numbers? Yes. We are unapologetically about the numbers. The number of people going to heaven instead of hell. The number of marriages restored. The number of people experiencing a true, lasting freedom. The number of people discovering their purpose. And the number of people being fulfilled and making a difference all over that city. I'm about those numbers. I love this in Luke chapter 14 and 23. It says, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. I love that. Like who is behind the hedges? I don't know if they're there, go there and urge anyone you find to come. Anybody go anywhere, find them and urge them to come so that the house will be full. Listen, God loves a full house. So how do I practically share my church? Um, this isn't very deep, and, um, but I want to encourage you, but it is practical. It's something that you can apply 
today. Just to, in your daily, in your weekly rhythms, to go around saying seven words that can forever change someone's life. Here it is. Will you go to church with me? Seven words that God could use, you saying, to eternally change somebody's life. And I'm just telling you, if you consistently go around asking that question, those seven words that could change somebody's life, if you put your relational equity on the line, which, look at me, that's a big deal. And we get it. I want you to know that it's an honor every time that you would ask that question to somebody else because I know that that's putting your relational equity on the line. And I want you to know that if that happens, we will make sure that everything is ready when you, when you guys come. Everything's going to be excellent and in order. We won't be setting up while people are showing up. We'll treat every single person that you bring with you with respect. We'll make them feel welcome. We won't put any pressure whatsoever on. We won't talk down to people. We won't use a bunch of churchy, Christianese language that's really hard to understand. And we're going to give away a lot of coffee and a lot of Jesus. And, but maybe not every week, but there should be multiple times every single year. There should be weeks where you have somebody sitting beside you that's unchurched, where you have somebody sitting beside you that is far from God. Because I promise you on that day, we'll do our best, but here's what I know about you on that day. You'll care more than any other day. You want the dream team to be on their A game on that day. You want the parking lot people to be like, I need the excited people in the parking lot. The people that are like, <laughs> you know, park the car. You know, like the people that are smiling. Are the greeters, they're, they're the ones that are opening the doors and they've got the big smiles on their face. And then when they get in here, it's like, oh, let me take you to this coffee because it's really good coffee. And we go in and it's like, oh, the coffee's hot today. Yes. And then you, and you come in and, it, and like worship starts and you're like, oh my goodness, they better do my song. <laughs> you know, my song, the one with that bridge, the one that I really like. Oh, they do that song because if they do that song, they'll love the church. And they'll get to the message part, and you'll just sit there be thinking, like, oh, God, please do not let it be the giving week. Do not let it be the week that they talk about giving. <laughs> Actually, I had somebody came up to me recently that said, hey, I just want you, this is before service, and said, hey, I just want you to know that I, I brought somebody with me, and uh, just don't blow it. <laughs> not planning on it, you know. I don't give them my best. And uh, I promise you, you'll care. And there'll be that time in the service. And it happens every single week, every single service. And here's why we do it. We do it because we believe that there's going to be people in the room that are far from God. Because that's why we designed this church the way we did. And so there's going to be that time where I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. And there's going to be a time where I ask people to raise their hand if they want to make the decision to follow Jesus. And if you peek, which is okay, you can peek. Just don't make it obvious that you're peeking, okay? Just, just kind of just. <laughs> and you see the person that you brought, you see tears well up in their eyes. Because they're understanding what Jesus did for them. And then you see their hand shoot up in the air. And they make the best decision of their life 
to follow Jesus. Here's what I guarantee you. On that day, that'll be your favorite day in Queen City Church. Better than any day that was just for you. It'll be your favorite day. Now, here's the cool thing. Uh, recently, I had a conversation with somebody in the lobby. Somebody came up to me right after church. They were so excited. And they said, hey, I want you to know I brought my mom. And she's been far from God my whole life. And I can't believe she came. But I peeked. And her hand went up. And he said it with the biggest smile on his face and tears in his eyes. And I asked him, I said, is this your favorite week of church? He said, hands down, the best week of church I've ever experienced in my life. So I want to challenge you, church, to make two out of 52. 50 weeks for you, but at least two weeks where you have somebody far from God that's sitting beside you. And some of you, you know the people right now that God's put in your life that needs to be sitting in one of these awesome hundred-year-old green wooden chairs beside you. <laughs> two out of 52. I think if we do that together as a church family, we'll make a big difference. So, share my story. I'm going to share what God's done in my life. I'm going to share my church I'm just going to make it a part of my rhythm is to invite people to church. And then here's the last one, number three. Is when you can, share Jesus. Share Jesus. Because there could be opportunities. The more that you do number one and number two, that this one will open up for you. And I believe sometimes we make this a little too hard because it's easier than what we think. Because I believe that everyone deep down wants to know God. That the Bible says that we are all made in the image of God and there's a part of us that's like God, that spirit side of us, that's constantly trying to reconnect us with God. It's like this homing beacon or this magnet that's constantly drawing people. It may be small in some people, but I promise you, you can't get rid of it. And it's like this homing beacon, this magnet that's drawing people closer to God. And God's going to open up doors at your job and in your family and with your neighbors to share the only thing that can really satisfy the, the part of them that's their soul. And that's Jesus. So the question is, how do I practically do this? Because I want to make sure that I equip you. That's why we're doing this series right now in this moment before the fall is so that you're equipped to be able to go and make a difference. Because it's not just about coming and just going to church in here. It's about being the church out there. And so I want to help you. That's really what I feel like my job is. My job isn't to be the, the only pastor. My job is to let you be the pastor and I just equip you how to do it. So how do you share Jesus? Let me tell you as quickly and as efficiently and as easily as I can. Because I promise you it's easier than what you think. And here's, here's, you just have to share three things. And here's the first. So you just got to share the problem. And that problem is sin. See, because you and I, every single one of us, is designed, every person breathing is designed to have a relationship with God. But there's a problem. There's something that is separating and blocking that relationship. And it's called sin. It's our mistakes. It's how we miss the mark. It's how we fall short. And it's created this, this block, this gap between that. And all of us have experienced this at times. In fact, Romans 3, 23, for everyone has sinned. All of us. 
We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And so God wants to have a relationship with us, but the problem is there's this sin that is blocking it. So it has to be dealt with for him to be able to have relationship with us. There's this problem called sin. So how do you deal with this problem? You gotta pay for it. See that sin, it comes with a cost and there's a price tag. So how much does it cost? Romans 6, 23 says for the wages, the cost, the price of sin is death. See, to be able to take care of our sin, something has to die. And if something, somebody doesn't step in for us, we have to pay our own debt that our sin has created. Because one way or another, our sin will be paid for. So that's the problem. But the great news is God provides a solution. So there is a solution. His name is Jesus. See, Jesus is the solution to the sin problem. Romans 5.8 says that, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So here's what that means. Instead of you and I paying our own debt, he pays our debt. That no other person, no other religion offers that. That's why you can't pay it back. That's why, like, he comes and does what we can never do. That's why Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, not a way, the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to me to, to the Father except through me. But why Jesus? Why did Jesus have to be the one to pay for it? Here's why. Because he's the only one who never had a debt to pay. And so in Acts 4, verse 12, it says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So there's a problem. It's called sin. There's a solution called Jesus that he paid for it. And so all that leaves is once you tell people those two things, then there's this simply something called the response, which is salvation. So what do I do if I recognize that, if I recognize that there's a problem, but also recognize that there was a solution, what do I do? You give him your life, his life for you, your life for him. So how do I do that? Romans 10 verse nine, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it, yeah. That's it. So I don't have to go to church for seven years? No, you just, you just do that. Do I got to read my whole Bible? Do I got to understand everything? Do I got to be able to recognize every single thing that's in my heart that's different and that sometimes I don't get? No. You just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. There's the problem called sin, the solution in Jesus, and the response, salvation. And here's what I believe. Some of you are here today and you find yourself here far from God and you need a fresh start. And you're like, man, I can't do any of that stuff because I'm not right with God. And we want to give you that chance. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, here's what I believe is happening right now. These are words written in red. That means Jesus said them. And he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice 
and opens the door, I will come in. And I believe this is happening right now where Jesus is saying, hey, I'm right here. I am here. I'm at the door and I'm knocking. And God right now is messing with you. And you're sitting there thinking, is it about time? Is it time? Like you've been, you've been kicking the tires long enough. Like you've been waiting long enough. Listen, you don't have to carry your sin, your guilt, your shame anymore because I paid for it. I'm at the door and I'm knocking right now. Will you just let me in? He's for sure knocking. So the question today is, will you let him in? So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And just in this moment, I just want you to really lock in. Don't miss this moment. And why don't, right there, why don't you pray and ask God, what does my response need to be to this message? Maybe ask him this, how, how does my life need to look different because of what we just experienced? And maybe you need to proactively start to think through how to share your story so that you can be ready when God opens the door. Maybe God, all message has been putting people, specific people on your heart that you know you just need to say those seven words that may change your life and just invite them to church. Or maybe you're here and you feel so far from God and you need that fresh start. Jesus right now is knocking on the door of your heart and today you need to let him in and you need to make the best decision of your life, the decision to follow Jesus. And we're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward. I just wanna lead you in a simple prayer right there in your seat. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, if you wanna say, you know what, include me in that prayer. I'm willing to take the step by throwing my hand in the air and saying whether it's for the very first time or maybe I made that decision long ago and I've been far from God, but I need a fresh start and I need to start or restart my relationship with God. And on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask if you wanna be included in that prayer and today you're making that decision, to just put your hand in the air boldly saying, I am so confident in this decision today. And if that's you, on the count of three, I just want you to put your hand in the air. One, two, three, that's you. You wanna make that decision. You wanna say, I got you, I got you. Anybody else, I got you. That's awesome, that's awesome. I wanna make that decision. That's awesome, you can put your hand down and why don't you pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I love you, I need you. I'm so sorry that I've lived my life without you. I repent, I changed my mind, I changed my direction. And will you come live inside me? Will you do what I can't do and will you change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender, I give you my whole life, everything. And today, on this day, on this awesome day, I choose to follow you with everything not just for this moment, but for the rest of my life. And we thank you so much for Jesus. We're so thankful for the relationship that we can have through Jesus. And so God, may we never forget what you've done. God, we love you, we thank you, we celebrate all that you've done here today in our church. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Come on, can we clap our hands and celebrate with those people?
that just made that decision. It's awesome. I'm so, so, so proud of you. Like for real, so proud of you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.